0: Welcome to another episode of Droppin' Bombs, a Nintendo Switch podcast, hosted by DJ Wes Snipes. On this episode, I will reminisce about the early days of owning a Switch, my experience of gaming with my spouse and a young child, and then it's game review time. All that and more coming up next on Droppin' Bombs, a Nintendo Switch podcast. Hey, I hope everyone is doing well and that you are busy playing lots of Nintendo Switch games. It's another episode of Droppin' Bombs, a Nintendo Switch podcast. I am your host, DJ Wes Snipes. Hello to those of you listening that tweet using hashtag SwitchCore. SwitchCore is a group comprised of some heavy-hitting collectors of everything Nintendo Switch. It includes members with collections of all shapes and sizes from all over the world, We mostly chat over Twitter, the Nintendo Switch Collectors subreddit, and on the NS Collectors Discord server. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Ray and Stormy, the hosts of the Under the Sheets podcast. Under the Sheets is a husband and wife that talk about Nintendo Switch, so think about game previews, reviews, current news, and more. And they mix that with talk about pop culture, like TV shows, movies, comic books, and more. If you haven't listened to the Under the Sheets podcast yet, I highly recommend adding it to your rotation. For the first part of this podcast, I want to talk about the early days of Switch ownership and how the console has impacted my family, specifically as it relates to my wife and my oldest son. My household owns four Nintendo Switch consoles. We haven't always had four. On the last podcast, at the end of the first half, I left you all with a bit of a cliffhanger, telling listeners the first thing I did when I opened the brand new console back on March 3, 2017, was smell it. That was Switch console number one. It's mine specifically, but back in the day, it could also be used by Lane, my wife, and our, at the time, six-year-old son, when I wasn't using it. In those early days, I was itching to play games with someone. Games like Bomberman, um, Fast RMX, Snipperclips, and then I guess uh, eventually Mario Kart when it came out in, in April of 2017. They were games I was able to play with my son. And other than a brief stint with Snipperclips, Lane didn't really show much interest in any of those games. But the game she did show interest in was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, I may have slightly misled you on the last podcast. It's true. I ordered Breath of the Wild the day it went up on Amazon. I, I did the pre-order. The part I left out was that I also canceled that pre-order a few weeks later. I know you're probably listening and thinking, what in the heck was he thinking? Look, I, I was unsure of the game, to be honest. I had never played a Zelda game before or on any prior system, so I didn't know what to expect. It was only when the review embargo lifted and people started talking about how totally stinking awesome it was that I ended up pre-ordering it just in time to receive it at launch. And you know what? I am so, so glad that I did. I've had some of the best gaming moments of my life playing the masterpiece that is Breath of the Wild. But I digress. Playing Breath of the Wild with Lane, we passed the pro controller back and forth, usually when one of us beat a shrine or got to a challenge or area that one of us just couldn't figure out. We would let the other take over. One of us at the helm, the other being the navigator, reading the map that we had received when purchasing the official guide, offering advice on where to go, what to do next. We did it almost every night and on weekends, two hours during the work week, five hours on Friday and Saturday nights, day after day, month after month. We were both hooked. We played Breath of the Wild almost every day for months on that one Switch until the next heavy hitter came out, Splatoon 2. I skipped the Wii U so I only knew of the Splatoon IP from what I had read online. I picked up the game on a Friday in July after playing a few rounds of global test fires in the weeks leading up to the release. The test fires, those were limited online stress tests for Nintendo. Anyway, the game came out and I started playing that night. Then, because of the nature of the game being one player only, my son wanted to play. So I was like, yeah, cool, all right, go ahead. Then Lane wanted to play, so I'm like, okay, you can have a turn, too. And then we all kept wanting to play, (laughs) and all kept wanting to take turns. So by Sunday morning, I was like, okay, I'm sick of not being able to play this game. I keep giving the control to everyone else. So that afternoon, I caught wind that a Best Buy about 40 minutes away, and I want to preface this by saying uh, most of the time, around July especially, the only time switch consoles were released in the beginning part of 2017 was when a big ip game came out like a mario kart or a splatoon so or odyssey at that point so it was kind of hard to find nintendo switch consoles in between those releases so again we, we went up on a sunday morning uh, best buy about 40 minutes away had a nintendo switch console and stocked the neon ones so we hightailed it up there And I bought Lane, a Switch, and a copy of Splatoon 2. With the justification that our son could also play whenever Lane wasn't playing. So there's the origin of Switch number 2. So here's the thing about Lane, my wife. Uh, For as long as I've known her, she's had this competitive blood flowing through her veins. I mentioned before, she's a pretty darn good Fortnite player. Better than me, that's for darn sure. Her origins and... Uh, love of Fortnite and the t- ooh, about 200 plus hours she has put into the game come from about 200 plus hours that she logged playing Splatoon 2. Couple that with the 125 plus hours her and I put into Breath of the Wild, defeating all four Divine Beasts and the final boss, clearing all 120 shrines. I mean, if that doesn't indicate competitive plug, quite frankly, I'm, I'm not sure what will. Oh, and the, for those wondering, uh, Breath of the Wild was the first game that I beat on the Switch, followed by Rhyme and about 16 others as of this podcast. So for my son, I don't know if he has that same competitive streak as mom or me. Listen, the jury's still out, but I think he's inching closer and closer with age. Uh, the dude's almost nine years old. One thing is for sure, though, games like Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey have primed him to be a more courageous gamer. He Try games like Lego The Incredibles, Rayman Legends, Ben 10, uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with the World of Light campaign, while also exercising his creativity playing games like Minecraft. So how is he able to play all these games with his mom and I logging as much time as we do on our Switch consoles? So, here's another quick story. I was able to get a brand new Switch for $170 shipped. Switch number three for those keeping score. Uh, I follow a lot of deal sites, and I know where and when to look for the right deals. So, when this deal hit my screen, I jumped on it. It came at the beginning of summer last year, and after discussing with Lane, we decided that we weren't just going to give our son a Switch just because. We made him earn it. We wrote up a chore chart, made him do 300 chores, give or take a few, uh, around the house. It took him darn near all summer to earn it. But when he did, he felt a real sense of pride and accomplishment. Almost like what happens when you defeat a game. You feel that sense of pride and accomplishment. So the Switch was his, with parental controls added, of course. And, And yo, I wanted him to have a Switch for two reasons. First, because I saw the future And the future is Nintendo Switch, not the DS family of consoles. As I mentioned on a previous podcast, he has a 2DS, which will now be gifted to his brother. And second, I could be wrong for saying this, but it's my opinion, so take it how you will. Anyway, second is I just don't think the types of submersive experiences, you know, experiences like you get with Zelda and Mario Odyssey, can be replicated via the DS. I truly believe we're in a golden area of Nintendo gaming. Even gaming in general. And I wanted my son to have similar experiences to what I had growing up when the NES was new and exciting. Again, another golden age of gaming. I don't feel the DS has that same impact on kids his age now that the Switches had. Maybe it did back in the day, but you know, it's definitely stood its test of time, and I, I think the DS is definitely on the downslope. I don't think any of us would argue that. Uh, but the Switch, it's not quite the Wii, because it's not hitting that senior demographic. I mean, uh, old folks in retirement homes aren't exactly playing 1-2 Switch like they did Wii bowling. Uh, actually, you know what? This sounds like a great topic for a future podcast. All right, it's game review time this episode, I'm going to review Little Nightmares Complete Edition. Uh, here's the backstory. It was released in April 2017 for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One to quite a bit of hype. A complete edition, which includes DLC, which was mainly the ability to play as another character. It was released for the Switch in May of 2018. The developer is Tarsier Studios. And it was published by Bandai Namco Entertainment. And with the physical release, that was a bit of a downer. It was scheduled to be released physically in the US. Then in the weeks leading up to the release, it it was canceled. So if you wanted the physical, you had to import it. So I did. The US import prices at the time of the release, it was about $37 shipped, depending on the region you imported it from. I did it from the EU and it retails for $30, otherwise, on the US eShop. So what is this game all about? Little Nightmares is a tense puzzle platformer adventure game that's pretty spooky. You're six, a little girl in a yellow raincoat that is stuck on a, I don't know how else to say, but a dollhouse-like ship, and it's called the Maw, and you're trying to escape from this tall, mysterious lady. So as you play you come to find out that the lady has these big monstrous characters that can pounce on you if you step into the light or or rattle a pan or make some sort of noise the object of the game is in other words to hide and seek around in the darkness and try not to be seen or get caught if you do get seen you're fighting with both the room layout and the bad guys And on top of all of that, you start to experience what seems to be terrible, debilitating hunger pains. So what happens in the end? Well, I won't spoil it. But I will advise you to stick around for the ending. Maybe it won't have the same effect for others as it did me, but all I can say is, yikes. So let's talk about the gameplay. There is no dialogue in the game, and while there is no blood or gore, There are plenty of disturbing and frightening characters, the scenery and interactions with those monstrous characters are are pretty crazy as well. There were times where the game sucked me in so much that I was on the edge of my seat, almost on the verge of breaking into a sweat. I would complete a section of the puzzle or finally figure out how to progress the story, then out of nowhere I would die, sometimes with no good reason whatsoever. I'd walk into the next room and bam, fade to black, Loading. 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 Seriously? I'm thinking to myself? uh, Believe me when I tell you, the loading times were atrocious in this game. It completely ruined the experience for me. It, It took out any rhythm that I had. And the deal was the deaths were so quick, it was almost impossible for me to even recall what I had done the last time that caused me to die by the time the scene started rolling again. I love the graphics and the imagery of this game, it's definitely a dark game, one like I had never played previously so that was kind of refreshing, yeah, it's something to try, a new kind of platformer if you will. The controls, they were crazy loose and definitely attributed to some of those cheap deaths I experienced. There were times when I for sure was in the clear, only to be snatched up by the monster leading to frustration on my part. Apparently it was like this on other platforms, and you would think that the devs would have addressed it prior to the port to the Switch, but nope. So I finished the game in five hours. It probably would have been quicker had it not been for all of those crazy loading times. And uh, for the record, I did not start the DLC as the other character. So, did Little Nightmares live up to the hype? As a reminder, my game reviews are scored by me dropping bombs. One bomb means the game truly bombed, aka sucked, and five bombs means the game was DA bomb, aka totally awesome. So for Little Nightmares, I had to give this game three bombs. It was an aesthetically beautiful game with a dark, twisted story. The imagery in some spots was downright disturbing, the music was ominous, and the sounds, especially of the monster character people, freaked me out at times. The devs did a good job of making the player start to connect with the struggles Six faced as she went through the various puzzles. I know I felt compassion because to me, it seemed this girl was being bullied by someone way bigger. With the anger, it started to build inside. The game would have received four stars from me were it not for the loading times and the somewhat loose controls. If Little Nightmare goes on sale in the eShop I'd recommend it, however as it stands at $30 MSRP in the US eShop it's a hard pass at full price. That was my game review for Little Nightmare's Complete Edition available now for the Nintendo Switch. If you want to chat with me after the show, please tweet at DJ West Snipes. I'm also on the NS Collector's Discord, uh, the screen name DJ West Snipes. And that is all for this podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. Until next time, this is DJ West Snipes. I'll just be over here dropping bombs.